Good morning, Crossroads. How are we this morning? Awesome. And yes, we have been in the book of Nehemiah, as Jan prayed. And, and what's amazing is God does have plans we can't even fathom today because we're going to take a break from the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to look at a topic called Pentecost. So Pentecost, what is Pentecost? Happy birthday, church. Happy birthday, church, to you. Um, today is considered by many the birthday of God's church, Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, it's really exciting. And um, I did some calculations and figured out that the church is really old. It's been around for quite a while. And do you remember Jesus' words? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he was telling the truth. He has been faithful, has he not? As a matter of fact, he has been faithful for Here's how old we are, 1,992 years old today. We're eight years away from 2,000 years old. That's, that's an old institution, is it not? That's an old uh, entity. And God is bringing us to fulfillment in his plan. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about birthdays and how we should celebrate. I remember when I was seven years old, um, I, I was very excited for my birthday, as most young people are, because it's a day you wait, it feels like, years just for your birthday to show up. And now my birthdays go by really fast, and I don't understand how that works, but I, I see that it works. And, uh, but when I was seven, I remember just being so excited, all my friends were coming, and I, in my own little thinking, had all kinds of ways that I felt my birthday should go and be celebrated. And I remember that day, um, I guess my parents felt I was a selfish brat because I got a spanking on my birthday. I remember that specifically that I was pulled out of the group and I was taken to a back room and, and paddled. And I, didn't, I, I was very upset. I didn't understand this was all about me. This, should have, this is my day. And yet my parents didn't quite think so. They thought I was acting like quite a brat, apparently, because I was wanting everything my way. And, I, and, and so I learned a lesson that day, that, that our birthday is not just about us, is it? Birthdays are not just about us. They're about everyone that we invite to the party. So um, let's, let's take a look uh, this morning at what is Pentecost. For those of you guys who are like, Pentecost, I've maybe heard that concept, I've heard that phrase, but I, I'm not sure I'm familiar, so can you fill me in? Well, you're in luck today because we're going to go through this together to really discover what Pentecost is how it represents the church's birthday, and, and how we should celebrate Pentecost together as God's church. Number one, Pentecost is a Greek word that literally means 50. It just simply means 50. And we're going to get into why the word 50 is involved with this celebration in, in just a bit. Um, it's also known in the Hebrew language as Shavuot. Everybody can say that, Shavuot. There you go. You're speaking Hebrew now. You got the language of Jesus now. That's beautiful. And that means, literally, that, that means weeks. Weeks. And again, we're going to look into why these names of this particular holiday um, is called what it is. So we have Pentecost, meaning 50 in the Greek. We have Shavuot, meaning weeks in the Hebrew. It's also referred to in the Bible as the Festival of Harvest. 
in Exodus chapter 23. And it really is, is designed to celebrate the grain harvest, specifically the beginning of the wheat harvest. You see, in the early spring, there's a barley harvest in Israel. They really had two main grain harvests um, during the year. The first was the barley harvest. And it was an inferior grain, if you will. It was less desired among the people. And, but it would ripen first in the early spring. And then um, as the barley harvest went through the spring, the wheat harvest began to come into season. And, and at this holiday, at this time of the year, as we approach summer, the first crop of the wheat harvest would be harvested. And they would celebrate the wheat harvest, the first fruits of the wheat harvest on this special day called Pentecost or Shavuot. It was really an agricultural holiday that God established on the calendar. Number, uh, the, the second thing, what is Pentecost? Oh, by the way, I just want to mention that in Jewish tradition, they read the book of Ruth on this particular holiday. So right now in synagogues around the world, they are celebrating Shavuot, Shavuot um, by reading the book of Ruth in the synagogues. And the book of Ruth is really about the barley harvest. It's happening during the spring, and for those of you guys who have read the book of Ruth, you'll know that it was during the season of the barley harvest that the events of Ruth took place. And so the second, uh, the number two thing, what is Pentecost, is it is the second of three festivals. So it's the second of three festivals that God has established from Mount Sinai when he met with Moses and he gave him the law. And it is also the middle or the fourth feast of seven feasts during the calendar year. So let's go through that just a little bit more so you understand it. Um, there's a season of three festivals throughout the year that God wanted his people to celebrate. The first was unleavened bread. Unleavened bread happens in the early spring, and it includes Passover and the Feast of Firstfruits. So there are three feasts included in the festival, the week-long celebration of unleavened bread. And then there's a time period that goes by, and then, and then there's a second festival. And this second festival is what we're talking about today. It's called Pentecost, or Shavuot, right? And that is the, the feast of the, the celebration of the wheat harvest. And then there's a whole summer that goes by, and then in the early fall season, there is the third festival. And that third festival is known as the in-gathering. It's the time when all the, the wheat harvest is gathered in. It's also known as the, the festival of booths or tabernacles. It's the time where God tabernacled with his people in the desert. He met with them. He came, his presence fell into the tabernacle, and he was among his people. And so there's three moments or three occasions on which God on Mount Sinai commanded that his people celebrate through the year. And this is the second of those three. Let's read for, uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 23, we'll read what God has to say about this. Exodus 23, this is taking place as Moses is receiving the law on Mount Sinai. These words are given. Verse 14, celebrate a festival in my honor three times a year. That's what we just talked about. Observe, and now he's going to list these three festivals. Observe the festival of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you are to eat unleavened bread 
bread without yeast for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, because you came out of Egypt in that month. Do you remember the Passover? Do you remember the slavery in Egypt and Moses was sent to tell the Pharaoh to let his people go? Do you remember that? Well, the people of Israel were to remember that. And that was this festival of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread represented that they were in such a hurry to get out because finally Pharaoh changed his heart. God changed Pharaoh's heart, right? When the firstborn was, every firstborn life was taken that was not covered under the blood, right? And you remember that he let the people go and they were in such a hurry, they didn't have time to bake bread and allow the, the bread to rise with yeast. And so they they celebrate the idea that they were in such haste, such hurry to escape their slavery, that they didn't even have time to bake bread with leaven. And so they were to eat bread without leaven for seven days during the appointed time. Because you came out of Egypt in that month, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. This was a time where God wanted his people to bring their sacrifices to him, bring their offerings to him. No one was to come empty-handed before the Lord. Everyone had something that they could give in recognition of all that God had given them in delivering them from slavery. Verse um, 16 in Exodus 23 says, also observe the festival of harvest. That is another name for what we're talking about today. That is another name for the feast of weeks or Pentecost or Shavuot that we're talking about today. Observe the festival of harvest with the first fruits of your produce from what you sow in the field. And, here's the third festival, observe the festival of ingathering. I said already that that was also the, ta- the feast of tabernacles, the feast of booths, where God dwelled with his people um, at the end of the year when you gather your produce from the field. So what's beautiful is that God wants his people to remember and to celebrate the occasions on which he worked in their lives. And this was a special occasion that God had worked in this time. He had provided them a harvest. What is Pentecost? It's not only um, the second of three festivals, but it's, it's one of three times a year that Jews were to present themselves before the Lord in Jerusalem. This was the place where God's name ultimately dwelled. Jerusalem bared the name of God. It was the place where Solomon built the temple. It was the place where God's presence fell. And the people, specifically the Jewish males, God was very specific, and he said, three times a year I want you to present yourselves before the Lord. Uh, let's look at Deuteronomy 16:16. 16, 16. This is where it describes this. All your males are to appear three times a year before the Lord, your God, in the place he chooses. That place, by the time time of David and Solomon, was Jerusalem. At the festival of unleavened bread, so there's the first time they're to come and travel. The festival of weeks, that's Shavuot, the feast of harvest, the feast of Pentecost, and the feast, the festival of booze, that's in the the fall, as we described earlier. No one is to appear before the Lord empty-handed. These three times a year, these three festivals that God had ordained were known as pilgrimage festivals. In other words, the people had to travel from wherever they were living three times a year. You can imagine the inconvenience, 
right? Oh man, it's festival of the new festival. I got to get to Jerusalem. And so they would leave behind their families many times. Because if they had young ones or someone had to be there to care for the animals, and so they would leave behind their, their wives and their children and they would travel and they would journey to fulfill this. And they would leave and they would go to Jerusalem for the festival. Sometimes their family would accompany them. It all depended on if they could leave home, right? If there was an opportunity to leave behind the responsibilities in maybe someone else's hand. But it wasn't that women and children weren't invited, but it was God was being practical. And he knew that sometimes not everybody can come all these times. He didn't want to overburden the people, but he said, hey, I'm serious about these three times a year. And so I want you guys to leave behind what you're doing, and I want you to come and focus your lives around me and remember what I've done for you. And so three times they were to appear in these pilgrimage um, festivals before God. So when is Pentecost? The Bible lays it out very clearly for us, and I want to make sure we understand that. Number one, Pentecost is at the beginning of the wheat harvest. Listen to Exodus 34, 22. Observe the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So there we go. That's the festival of weeks, Pentecost, Shavuot. The, that's the time of year in which it is to take place, at the beginning of the wheat harvest. And so um, God makes it very clear when he wants this particular occasion celebrated. The second thing that he lists out is that it needs to be 50 days. That's where the word Pentecost comes from. Or seven weeks and a day. Does anybody know how to do that math? Seven weeks plus one. All right, seven weeks in a day is 50, right? But that's where the, the Feast of Weeks comes from. It's seven sets of seven. So it's like a week's worth of weeks, right? Seven sevens. And then the next day after that Sabbath is to be the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. Look at Leviticus chapter 23. It lays it out very clearly for us when this holiday is to take place. You are to count seven complete weeks starting from the day after the Sabbath. Does anybody know what the Sabbath day is? Saturday. So what's the day after Saturday? So you're to start on a Sunday counting, right? And, and how far are you to count according to the Word of God? You're to count seven complete weeks starting from the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the presentation offering. Now all you have to do is go back a couple verses and you can figure out when that day is. When is the day that God wants the sheaf of the presentation offering. By the way, this was a barley sheaf. It was during that early part of the barley harvest, the first part of the grain harvest in the spring. And the priest was to wave a barley sheaf before the Lord as an offering to God. Thank you, God, for providing us a harvest. And that was to take place, the Bible tells us, right after the Sabbath during the festival of unleavened bread. What's the day after the Sabbath during the Festival of Unleavened Bread? Again, that's a Sunday. It was to take place on a Sunday, and it was called the Feast of First Fruits in the Bible. And you can read about that just before in Leviticus chapter 23. So you're to count starting on that day of first fruits. Now, what's interesting about that day of first fruits is that that day is now known as Easter Sunday. 
Easter Sunday. It's the day on which our Lord Jesus resurrected from the grave. The day that he defeated death, came out of the grave, and became the first fruits of the resurrection. It's a beautiful picture. Jesus Christ fulfilled the feast of first fruits. He became the first offering that was waved before the Lord, the God of heaven, as the one who raised from the dead, ensuring that all of us had hope that one day we too would be raised from the dead. So you were to count seven complete weeks starting from the day after the Sabbath, the day that you brought the sheaf of the presentation offering. And look at verse 16. You are to count 50 days until the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. Now, this day moves around on our current modern calendars. Why? Because our calendars are solar calendars. They're based on a 365-day year, plus or minus like a quarter of a day that we eventually adjust with leap years, unless it's a, uh, I don't want to get into it, but that's what, that's what we're doing, right? Today, a solar calendar. Back then, the Jews, they operated on a lunar calendar. Every one of their months was 28 days. It was based on the lunar cycle. And so it would shift around. The day shifts around. That's why Easter Sunday is not always on the same day, is it? You always wonder, like, when's Easter this year? And you have to kind of look it up, right? Because you're just unsure. Like, when is that, when's that holiday? But Christmas is what? December 25th, every year. That thing does not move, right? But the, the, the feast, the feast of Passover... The Feast of first fruits, those move around because they were established by God in the lunar calendar of the Jews. And so we celebrate this Feast of Pentecost, this Feast of Shavuot, exactly 50 days after we celebrated Easter. Well, guess, guess what? 50 days ago, we were celebrating something. Do you know what it was? We were celebrating the Feast of first fruits, the Feast of Jesus rising as the first fruits of the resurrection out of the grave. We call it, our society calls it, Easter. But really, God calls it first fruits. God calls it the feast of harvest of the first fruits, right? And there is significance when we think of it in those terms, is there not? Because Easter means Ishtar. It's like a pagan god that was celebrated in culture. And uh, it was all about a god of fertility. That's why we have the bunny rabbits running around, we have the Easter eggs. We have all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with those things if we don't worship them. Do you understand that? We can't give our hearts over to worshiping those things. That would be idolatry. But we can have fun with them. We can live in our culture. We just can't, we can't, we can't forget the meaning behind these true holidays that God established for us to celebrate. We can't lose the significance of these days. Third question I want to answer is this. Why is Pentecost important? Why is it important? First of all, it's a celebration set apart to honor God. He is the Lord of the harvest. Listen to Exodus 23, 14 again. It says this, celebrate a festival in my honor three times a year. Three times a year, God wants to be honored by his people. You know, we've, we have two times a year, right? Christmas and Easter as New Testament, but we're kind of missing some stuff, right? And that's why I've talked about Pentecost today. I want to talk and bring that to our attention that maybe God wants us to be celebrating Pentecost as his people, as his church. 
It's a celebration set apart to honor God. He is the Lord of the harvest. Now listen to this. Jesus talked in parables. Do you guys realize that? How many of you guys have read the Gospels and understand that a lot of times he's, he is talking in parables, right? And sometimes it's like hard to understand. So I want to I wanna bring one parable to your attention that's related, I believe, back to this feast of Pentecost. It's in Matthew chapter 13, and you can follow along on the screen, or if you have a Bible, it starts in verse 24, Matthew 13, 24. Jesus is speaking to the people, and he says this. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came sowed weeds among the wheat, and then left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then weeds also appeared. The landowner's slaves or servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did these weeds come from? I ask that question every time I'm mowing my lawn. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus says. An enemy did this. He told them, so do you want us to go and gather them up, said the servants. The slaves asked him, no, he said, when you gather up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, all tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but store the wheat in my barn. Now, you might be like, man, what is he talking about? I wish I had the interpretation to this one. Guess what? You just have to wait six verses, and then he tells them exactly what it means. That's the good news about some of the parables. Now, somebody never tells us what they mean. And we, we're left going, oh, what are you talking about, Jesus? And we have to really rely on God's Spirit to help us discern it. But in this occasion, he explains it for his disciples. Look, look at verse 36 of Matthew 13. Then he dismissed the crowd. So again, he's not going to explain it to everyone. He's only going to explain it to his 12 disciples. And went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, explain the parable of the weeds in the field to us. What are you talking about, Jesus? There's weeds in the field. I, I don't understand. What is this? Verse 37, he replied, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's a title of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of Man. He is the one who sows the good seed. Verse 38, the field is the world. And the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters, well, they're angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness. Now, I want to pause there and I want to say something. Who is guilty of breaking God's law? Yeah, you better put your hand up because we're all guilty. But here's the good news. We don't have to stay guilty because we have someone who took upon our guilt upon himself and paid the punishment that our sin deserved. And his name is Jesus. So when Jesus is referring to the people who cause sin and those who are guilty of lawlessness, he's talking about those who have never decided 
to trust Jesus, who have never decided, who have rejected the free gift of grace that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross. But it's going to be a reality. The Son of Man will send out his angels. When? At the end. At the end of the age. At at the final harvest. And he will gather from his kingdom everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness. And they will throw them. Who will throw them? The angels will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Church, this is a real reality. We should not ignore the fact that there are people who are going to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. It's a reality. This is what Jesus is explaining to his 12 disciples. It's not like he's just making up a fairy tale here. He's telling them reality. He's saying there are, there's an enemy, and he has planted weeds among the wheat but I want you to let it both grow together until the end of the age, until the final harvest. At the end of the summer, there's going to be a final harvest, and that final harvest will happen. And then, the Bible says, the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone who has ears should listen. That's what Jesus said. He said, you don't have to be one of those people that is the lawless one who is unrepentant. You can be someone who is covered by the blood of the lamb. You can have eternity where you are shining like the sun in your father's kingdom. But there is a final harvest coming and Jesus is Lord over that harvest. We are to remember that. That's why Pentecost is important because Pentecost signals the beginning of the wheat harvest. You know, one of the things that happened at Pentecost is that the priest would take two loaves of leavened bread. This was one of the only festivals where God allowed leaven in the celebration. Leaven throughout the Bible represents sin. So there were two bread, two uh, baked leaven rolls that were offered by the priest before God. And many say that those two loaves of bread represent the Jews and the Gentiles who have come together as one in the body of Christ. The book of Ephesians talks about that. This was the beginning of the harvest. God is doing a new thing. He's creating a new opportunity where Jew or Gentile can can come to know him and be a part of his kingdom. And that happens to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on that cross. So this is the festival of Pentecost, the festival of Shavuot, the festival of weeks that we celebrate today. Secondly, why is it important? Well, according to Jewish tradition, it marked the day the law was given to Israel at Mount Sinai. Again, let's go back to those first three feasts. We have Passover. That's the day that the Passover lamb was sacrificed. By faith, they spread that innocent lamb's blood on their door, the doorposts of their homes. And it says the angel of death passed over And if he saw anybody who had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, he passed over their house. The angel of death could not touch him, could not touch that household. So we had Passover and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread and then we had the Feast of First Fruits. And 50 days later, where was Israel 50 days after they left Egypt? 
they had come to a mountain, and that mountain was Sinai. And it was a place where they gathered to meet with God, to hear from God. And it says in the Bible that the thunders and the lightning shook. Literally, God spoke on that mountain to Moses. God revealed himself to his people in a powerful way. When did that take place? When did Moses go up that mountain? The Jewish tradition is that he went up on Pentecost, on this day. This was a big deal. God spoke. Pentecost reminds us that God spoke through his son, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's Jesus. He is the word of God that was from the beginning. And he came and he dwelt among his people and he gave his life on a cross. And he taught and he shared the good news of the kingdom with all who would listen. And Pentecost reminds us that through Jesus, we can hear God's voice. And the Holy Spirit that was given on Pentecost helps us discern what Jesus is saying, helps us understand the word of God, the record of Jesus' words, and apply it into our lives. Why is Pentecost important? The third reason is it's a day the Holy Spirit was given to the church. The church was literally born by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You remember that Jesus told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem, to wait. Until the promised one, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter would come and come and indwell them and empower them. And so they sat around after Jesus ascended into heaven for 10 days. There was about 120, the Bible tells us, that were in the church at that time. But they weren't moving. They weren't doing anything. They were just waiting on what Jesus had promised. And they waited for 10 days and then Pentecost happened. Let's read about it. Acts chapter 2 tells us about this amazing day. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues, like flames of fire that were divided, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You realize that this idea of fire coming down from heaven, resting on a place or over a place, was very significant to the people of Israel. Because that's what happened in the tabernacle in the wilderness. God's presence guided them by, do you remember? A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So they understood God is with us through a couple of signals the cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night. And so this pillar of fire came down that's called the Shekinah glory of God, and it filled the tabernacle, and God's presence was with them. So this day of Pentecost was significant. God's presence had come down on that mountain so many years ago. Moses went up into the cloud. Do you remember that? He disappeared in the cloud, and when he came back down, his face was shining like the sun because he had met with God face to face. 
And now God is pouring out his presence in a new way where the tongues are divided and they fall over each individual head. Now he is, he's made his dwelling in our hearts. There's no longer a need for a building or a tabernacle or a temple because we are all the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God's presence comes in t- inside of us and dwells with us. Acts 2.41 says this, So those who accepted his message were baptized. A few, we're going to read a little bit about that, but those who accepted the message that Peter shared that day on Pentecost were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to their numbers. So the church, listen to this, the church in one sermon went from 120 to 3,120. That's church growth. I want to go to a seminar on how to experience that kind of church growth. The only way you're going to experience it is the Holy Spirit of God is at work. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit was at work on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 believed the message, repented of their sin, and came to Jesus. Listen to this, though. This is interesting. At Mount Sinai, years later, on the same exact day, according to Jewish tradition, Moses came down off the mountain with the tablets, and he saw what? He saw the people of Israel worshiping a golden calf. They had already forsaken the God who had delivered them from slavery out of Egypt, and now they were worshiping a false idol, an idol of Egypt. They had returned to the, to the vomit, like a dog returning to its vomit. And Moses was disgusted. And so Moses threw down the, the, the law, the tablets, and they smashed into pieces. And he ordered the Levites, anybody who was willing to listen, to execute God's judgment on the people for their sin. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 32, 28, what happened. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and about how many? 3,000 men fell dead that day among the people. Paul reflects on this concept in, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, and he says this. He, speaking of Jesus, has made us competent to be ministers of the new covenant, Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Isn't that a beautiful thing? We don't have to do the letter of the law anymore. We have been given a Spirit, and that Spirit brings us freedom. That Spirit brings us empowerment. Now listen to what he says. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Did we not just read about that? The letter of the law killed 3,000 that day because of their rebellion on Mount Sinai at Mount Sinai. But on the day of Pentecost, years later, God reversed it, and he brought the Spirit who brought what? New life. And 3,000 came to know him. So how do we celebrate, with all the time I have remaining, (laughs) um, how do we celebrate Pentecost? You guys got to listen real quick now. Number one, thank God for his abundant grace. Thank God for his abundant grace. Remember, heaven is a gift, it's not a reward. Some of you guys need to really hear me. Heaven is a gift, it's not a reward. We don't earn heaven, people. Jesus earned heaven for us, and he is offering it as a free gift to anyone who will receive. Anyone who will receive. Grace is gifted to us by God. 
And our response should be a thankful and receptive heart. Listen to, um, I'm going to read Acts 2, 4 through 12. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, when they saw what happened to the people, that is those 120 that were in that upper room, when the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't all these people from Galilee? How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? And then it goes on to list where they all came from. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. I did practice that. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, proselytes those who had converted to Judaism. Uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own language. This is a miracle. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, how could this be? Now, the first thing the Bible tells us, we don't have time to read through it, but first thing the Bible tells us, there, was, there were scoffers who were like, well, they're all drunk. They've been drinking wine. And Peter stands up and goes, no, we're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. We're not drunk. Right? What's happened is a miracle of God that he actually said would take place. And he refers back to Joel chapter 2. Stay tuned. As Crossroads, we're going to go through the book of Joel. But Joel chapter 2 says, I will, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. And that's exactly what had taken place. And Peter is referring back to that and saying, no, 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 no. It's not about alcohol today. It's about God's spirit. He's done something amazing. And he said he would do it back in the book of Joel. And then he goes on to share who Jesus was and what he had done. That he was perfect, God-made flesh. That he took our place on that cross. All the punishment that our sins deserved, he took upon himself in his own body. And he says, anyone who will come to me and receive the free gift of grace and salvation, come and drink. Come and drink freely of those waters. Have your life transformed. And how do we thank God? How do we thank God? Peter wraps it up in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2. This is how you thank God. Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you, too, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a promise that was given then, and it still applies now. The best thankful response we can give to God is to give him back ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, everything we are. Turn it back over to him, because guess what? There's a war that rages, a war of selfishness and self-rule, or a war of surrender and allowing God to rule our lives. The devil doesn't want you to give in to God's rule, he wants you to keep on living for yourself. Keep on living your agenda. And God says, hey, there's a harvest coming. Don't be the weed. 
Don't be the weed. Be the wheat. I want you in my kingdom. And this is the offer that is given. This is how we respond on Pentecost. This is how we celebrate the birthday of the church. By making sure that we've done that. Have you repented of your sin? Have you turned away from sin and selfishness? And have you turned and embraced Jesus? I can't do it for you. Your family member can't do it for you. You must make that decision for yourself. And it comes through faith. It's a free gift. Not by works, lest anyone boast. We are saved by grace through faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, you guys aren't listening fast enough. Deuteronomy 16, 10 through 12. You are to celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord. Listen to how he describes back then his people of Israel, how they were to celebrate the festival of weeks, this festival of Pentecost. You are to celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord, your God, with a free will offering. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Giving him an offering. A free will offering that you give in proportion to how the Lord your God has blessed you. Rejoice before Yahweh. This is the second way he wants us to celebrate. Rejoice before Yahweh your God in the place where he chooses to have his name dwell. And remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Carefully follow these statutes. There's a lesson there. Even though those, that was given to Israel, there are principles today that we're called to celebrate the festival of weeks, the festival of Pentecost by doing those things. Number two, trust in God's amazing revelation. Jeremiah 31, 33. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove, remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh or a tender heart. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinance. Notice that the spirit of God does not allow us to move away from following God's law and authority in our lives. It isn't a license to do as you please. No, God's spirit will help us to follow God's laws, God's rules, God's ways, what Jesus says. If you love me, you will obey my commands, right? John 14, 26, Jesus said, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you of all things and remind you of everything I have told you. That's what the Holy Spirit's role is. He's to guide us into all truth. He's to remind us of everything that God has taught us. In the moment where you're tempted, there's the Holy Spirit going, don't do that, not a good idea. Remember what Jesus said, right? In the moment where you're discouraged, there's the Holy Spirit. Hey, don't give in to that lie. Don't, don't believe that. That isn't true. I love you, and I'm there with you through this trial, right? He is the one who is with us always, even to the end of the age. As the worship team comes, and we're going to respond this morning in worship, I'm going to give you number three. And number three is the third way we can celebrate Pentecost. Take God's message to your world. Does the world need to hear this message? Does the world need to hear the message of Jesus? 
They do. Who's going to take them? Who's going to take them that message? It better be the ones who are celebrating the birthday of the church, the church. We have a responsibility. Listen to what Acts 1.8 says. This is Jesus speaking to his church. These 120 that are gathered together before Pentecost. He says these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What's our, what's our responsibility as the church? To be witnesses of what Jesus has done for the world. Everybody can share Jesus with somebody. Amen? Amen. 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 It's not your responsibility to share Jesus with everybody, but every one of us can share Jesus with somebody. Start in your own home. Start in your own neighborhood. Start in your own workplace. Right? Are Are you being faithful to share with somebody? Make Jesus relevant to those around you. How do you make him relevant? Share what he's done in your life. That's relevant. Your story is relevant. People want to hear. Hope. We have a thing that says hope lives here out on the corner. But does hope live here? And are we letting people know about it? Listen to 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8 as I close. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. But we forget verse 8. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. Church, are we being faithful to take the power of God that he's placed in our hearts and our lives through his Holy Spirit and do something with it? Share with others the hope they need to hear of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's respond in worship and in praise this morning.